This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how's it going? Metcalf, I'm doing great. Um, I'm really pumped up for this episode. Feel like I've been, you know, needing like a Rocky montage all day. So I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really hyped about our guest today. But Metcalf, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, but I promise no more tacky weather or golf or yard work talk for me today. Uh, we're getting straight into it because we're joined by the one and only Matt Penny. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. How's it going? Thanks for having me, man. If it's tacky and golf and yard talk, just means like you're a homeowner, man. We can talk about, you know, my landlord hasn't mowed the lawn, and we can go into that too, wherever you want to take us. And I don't know if you want a Rocky montage or a rock montage. Either one of those hype you up. But you guys made that hype video of of my head on Stone Cold attacking the NWO. And then today was the it was the WrestleMania buildup between The Rock and Stone Cold. And uh, as much as Limp Biscuit is in my past, like that song still finds a way of creeping its way onto my workout playlist because yes. like, I just remember that like build when when I was younger and just the slow motion, the black and white, and then to somehow be involved in that in, in a minor way was was a big pick me up for me too. Well, then someone gave us a shout out and was like, "Well, Penny's more of an Undertaker guy," and I was like, "Come on, guys, <laughs> we gotta have some fun that, around yeah, here." Yeah, that was that was my college roommate Luke. He's it's true. I, I think like once or twice. Uh, once I was at the final four and I was, I did the double dip. I did, uh, the final four Saturday, WrestleMania Sunday. I think it was like Houston, uh, Houston, Dallas or something like that, whatever it was. And I was going through security and one of the security guys was like, are you the new undertaker? I'm like, that is awesome. Like, I'm going to go home. Like my trip's not getting better than this. Uh, That's a resume builder in a hurry. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's, uh, extra like accomplishments at the bottom. Like maybe the undertaker. I love that. That that is perfect. Well, I, I, I'm I'm glad that those videos hit home because they were awesome. supposed to supposed to get awesome. you pumped up for it because we're Alrighty. incredibly pumped up to have you here. And today, you know, we we wanted to really dive deep on three prospects that we've mentioned across multiple podcasts, but never really dove into in Jaden Ivy, Johnny Davis, and Malachi Branham. Um, entering the season, I think you know Jaden Ivy was hopeful to make that top 10 jump. Uh, and he even surpassed those expectations. And then Johnny Davis and Malachi Branham vastly exceeded theirs. So it, it makes sense to kind of start out with the guy that most people have as their number one guard in Jaden Ivey. Um, Matt, when you think about Jaden Ivey, what, what does, what really pops off the screen for you in terms of translating his game to, to the NBA? Well, the, the first thing for this cluster of guys, which I think is fun, it's a good group, and you guys sent me the kind of the run sheet here, is the Big Ten has always had this reputation as this grinded-out, physical, post-driven league, and 
this year, those guys were still there with Kofi Coburn, Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady. But you also have these stud guards that we're going to talk about that it, it's, it's evolved. Like normally mm-hmm. you think these type of guards in the SEC or the ACC. And it definitely starts with Jaden Ivey. And uh, he's made a jump. I didn't expect it to be the, the jump that it's been. But the thing that stands out is the speed, the change of pace, the athleticism, and how he's also evolved his shooting and his passing. It's become sort of like a different prospect that I envisioned to even be. I mean, I just had like burned in my brain that North Texas game. I lost the tournament a year ago and he had like stuffed at the rim on like a dunk going. And I sent it to an NBA scout at the time, like kind of like, this is your King. Like this is the the athlete that we're, we're hoping for. They kind of shoots a rough ball. He's not a great athlete, takes chances on defense, but went back to school and improved. And as we watch the NBA playoffs and the season's rolling to its conclusion here, he's the type of guy that could plug in right now. And, and with that athleticism and, and change of pace, change of speed. That's the biggest thing that stands out for me. So, you know, the the argument with him is always, oh, well, he's this, he's this freak athlete who can play. I, I like him more as an off-ball guard, but a lot of yeah. people are hoping for the on-ball point guard potential from him. Um, do you think that he could, you know, fall into that Devin Booker, Zach Levine situation where he just gets a lot of on-ball reps early in his career and they may not you know, be pretty early on, but they eventually get there? Or do you think he's just better suited as, you know, that more off-ball score? I like those comparisons because those guys have on-ball reps but are probably best served still off the ball. Like, mm-hmm. Zach Levine's better when Lonzo Ball's set on the table. Like, Devin Booker's better when Chris Ball's set on the table. But when those guys are out, you're okay and comfortable with them being your primary option of, of facilitating. Sam Vecini, who I, I podcast with, he he posed that early in the year too. And I never really ca- kind of got on board as Jaden Ivey point guard. I think if you're scouting him, you could have a G next to him or a CG for combo guard, but not necessarily a straight point guard. I, I also don't want to necessarily rule it out because the jump that he's made developmentally, I, I don't want to say that he can't be a point guard because the, the shooting has gotten better. The vision has gotten better. He's done things that I didn't think that he would do. I'd prefer him not to be that guy, but if the handle is tight enough for him to run some sets or against a shift in defense, I'd be okay with that too. Rucker, you and I haven't directly talked about Ivy in a little bit. I know I know we're both really high on him, but we've spent most of the last couple of weeks just continuing to gush over Johnny Davis, and we'll get to more of that soon. Good. I'm a um, gusher. Too. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where are you at currently with, with Ivy? Uh, I really – B, I'm sorry. I was trying to cut No, you go there. ahead, I, Matt. We're excited. We can all talk about it. Go ahead first. You're the guest. It's like, am I ready? Where am I next? <laughs> uh, I, I have him third, and I think he's closer to the one than, than four or five. And we, we just kind of sort of talked about this too on, on the last podcast. I'm, I'm just a little surprised that with like John Moran's ascension and with these kind of really explosive guards playing well, that there hasn't been more of that mainstream like turnover. Like, why aren't we talking about it more? It seems strange that we've settled in on really Chet Jabari and like a little bit of Paulo, depending on team and fit. Uh, but I, I really like him and I like where he is as a prospect. And I, I think he is going to continue to improve. And even with like the holes that he has defensively, the makeup's there for him to be a good defender. Just at times it's lacking. Like, he'll take the wrong route around screens. He relaxes away from the ball. Then I don't know where he has a monster steal and he goes and he changed the momentum of the game by finishing and dunking. Like those are the type of things you can't necessarily teach and coach. So if you peel back some more of those layers, he could be even more of a prospect that I envisioned. Rucker, where are you at with him? Yeah, I'm actually glad Matt 
cut me off because he's leading <laughs> he's leading my question to him perfectly. So um, I'll answer Metcalf first. I have him at four, but yeah. it's not comfortable right now. Like every time I watch him, I'm staring because I have Jabari third. And every time I watch Jaden Ivey, I finish my deep dive and I look and I'm like, I love Ivy. Like, why, mm. why couldn't he be in the top three? Why couldn't he get up there? Because just, you know, I'm still puzzling back and forth of like, do I believe he should be an off ball guard? Do I believe he should try to go all in on being a point guard? I kind of just think Ivy's just a damn good basketball player and he's yeah. just going to be this asset you want on the court. He's going to make plays when he has a ball in his hands. I think he's the, the development he showed from his freshman year to this year was just remarkable, especially with the outside shot. But Matt, I wanted to ask you because me and Metcalf have talked about this before. We kind of did like a, a basically just talking about the lottery, some storylines and Metcalf brought up to me. He said, you know, why couldn't Ivy get into that top three, especially like if a a wild card, like Detroit was up there. And I I think there is like a a realistic chance that that could happen, especially with someone like Troy Weaver, who's never afraid to go a little bit outside the consensus or outside the box. So do you think Ivy, you know, could be up there? Do you think, it's set in stone that it's going to be the the big three if we're putting it that way. I, I really don't think anything's set in stone. Like yeah. if you told me Jet went first or Jet somehow ended up fourth or fifth, I wouldn't be. I think if you went fifth, I'd be pretty surprised. And unless there's some weird intel stuff around those three, right. I think they're going to be juggled around somehow. But you think of fit, you think of situation, and like if Portland somehow gets the number one pick, and they got to figure out this Dame Lillard thing, what are they doing with him? How they keep him happy? If I'm Dan Lillard and they've kind of emptied the the cupboard and they're going to try to sign some guys in free agency and make some other moves, sure, you have Anthony Simons. I get it. But are you, like, going to build around and say, let's get more of a guy that's ready to go right now? Like, is that Paolo Bancaro because he's ready to step in and play right away? Is it Jaden Ivey because as a guard, run those two guys up the wings and he's ready to help Dan Lillard right away? I don't know if he's going to have the patience as a superstar who's getting older. The clock's always ticking. It's – same time is, is not running low, but like you can hear the the ticks going. Is he going to be okay with the patience of the development of one of these other big guys? Jabari Smith is a great shooter. He's going to step in and shoot it right away. He needs to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Can he do it off the bounce? Chet Holmgren, he needs weight. It's been beat to death, but yes, it, as a great rim protector, he's there. As a great finisher of the dunker spot, I think he'll be there, but can he put it on the bounce? That might take a season or two, and it's just what's your your patience level to get there. So I the for for me, Ivy's the guy who just really stands out as the one who could break up, you know, that consensus big three like we were talking yeah. about. And and his highlights, the like just watching him, it's electric and so much fun. The his change of pace is astonishing. Yeah. Um but I, I, I have some concerns. I'm a couple spots lower on him than you guys. If I asked you to sell him as a top four pick without you know, mentioning the freakish athleticism, would you be able to? Huh. Uh, that's such a separator. I think it would be difficult for me to yeah. do that because that's like the leadoff. And with like the creation talent out of isolation situation, sure. But that's predicated on like that burst, right? right like that first right. step. He's a 36% shooter from three. Good. Admirable. But we're not like, hey, he's shot 43% in college. It's AJ Griffin-ish levels of, of shooting from there. Uh, like, I buy the mechanics of it, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to keep improving. We talked about the the defense, or, or lack thereof at times. The passing is great, but I don't think it's like the passing is so good that I'd say he's a top four pick, like, without 
without the springs issues either. For sure. And with the shooting, do you have any concerns? Um, you know, maybe not short term because you know who knows. But in the in the long run, because that's the whole point of the draft. Do you have any concerns about his you know creation off the dribble or off the bounce shooting? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I saw them play at Wisconsin when uh, Wisconsin clinched a, a share of the Big Ten title. And there are times when it's like he has these side ball screens and he creates so much space. And then it's like no man's land. He doesn't have like really the hard one dribble pull up and shoot. He doesn't have like, all right, I'm going to take one more dribble, rise up and dunk on a guy. When he's going left, he still will go left and then try to finish like back with his right or do something awkward there. There's there's pieces that he still needs to connect. He'll do this weird mm-hmm. like kind of push. Like, is that a shot? Is that a floater? This is from like nine feet away from the basket. But those are like fixable, developmental, in the right NBA system things where I overthought on Scotty Barnes because what Scotty Barnes is doing right now, and I still had him seventh, but I I should have had him like third. And the reason I didn't is you see the stuff in college and high school, like, man, the shot's not great, has a lot of tools, but can he do X, Y, Z in short windows? So that's what my hangup is also with Jaden is figuring out the mid range game. But he didn't get like a ton of reps on it either at Purdue. There was times where they scrapped the playbook and said, let's just go pick and roll, like clear the lane a little bit and let him do his thing. But his numbers were affected by having Zach Eady and having Travion Williams in the, the middle of the lane, which which worked for Purdue. It's it's more of their system and they're gonna stick by it. But I don't think it, it necessarily like did him any favors to showcase his whole NBA game either. So it, it seems pretty consensus that he's the fourth, you know, the quote unquote fourth guy um, at, at worst on most boards. And when we just look at the top, let's say five picks, we got Houston, Orlando, Detroit, Oklahoma City and Indiana for his long term fit. Do you have a favorite spot where you think just it would be a perfect scenario for him there? Ooh, perfect. All right, let's go through this. So Houston, I don't think necessarily because they just they, they have Jalen Green. They have come Porter Jr. They, they have enough guards and the kind of like that. Detroit is an interesting fit. Mm-hmm. I think Cade kind of needs that athletic running mate because uh, as much as I like Sadiq Bay, he's not that guy. And he kind of like turned into more of like a mid-posty turnaround guy, can hit threes, but like it's not really his game. Uh, but Detroit, I, I kind of like the Jabari Smith fit a little bit better. Like let's pick and pop, and if you help with Cade, he's behind you, throw the head there. Indiana's really interesting. Uh, I like that one a lot. And uh, if Portland uh, and Oklahoma City, like they don't, I don't want to say they don't care, but like they're just like, let's get the best player available that, that fits with what we're doing. I think Chet, just on paper, feels more Oklahoma City-ish with like the way that like we'll just figure it out. Like he's the kind of different prospect, we'll figure it out. But if, if it's Indiana or maybe Portland, I think those would be like the two I'd, I'd kind of hone in on. And Detroit's not bad, but Houston, not great. Orlando, they got a million mm-hmm. guards. That's not great. Uh, but that's the beauty of the lottery here in a week that we'll have a little bit more concrete answers and we can start process elimination of, well, he's not going to go there. If he goes two through five, which of these teams really is the best. So besides Ivy, I think one of the, the next biggest breakouts this year was Johnny Davis, who was the alpha for Wisconsin. Um, and I, I could wax poetic for two hours on him. Wax on. (laughs) This is your show. You have the wax, man. This is it. Well, so, so, so Rucker just, recently more recently finished his his final deep dive on johnny so rucker i, I want to start with you and just kind of get your initial kind of overview thoughts of where you landed on johnny after kind of completing that dive 
Yeah, so so Metcalf, it's not going to be my final. You know me. I'm a sicko with draft films, so I'm probably going to watch him <laughs> 40 more times. But I, it was my last like lengthy dive. And um, Matt, for if you don't know this, I think Metcalf might have a percentage of the agent's cut with Johnny Davis because he's been pushing <laughs> him all year. But I can I can send a text message to see if that's true or not. I'm <laughs> telling you right now, it might be worthy. You might get you might get a surprise uh, with that boy. answer. Well, but well, how well how I, I don't want to take it. No, you're fine. Or too much, but like, where do you have him on your board? I have him at four. Okay, I, so I, I, I have him a spot over six. Jayden. So yeah, I think I'm six but, behind Keegan Murray. But good. I've yeah. got him. Wow, Matt, I've got <laughs> Keegan at five and yeah. uh, Johnny at six. Yeah. All right, friend of the program, Hall of Fame already. <laughs> um, so Metcalf's been pushing him all year, and yeah. and I have to give him his credit and. I have slowly kept watching more and more, but I absolutely love him. I, I really do. That's one of those guys that I have six, and I Metcalf feels this way about Johnny Davis. I feel that way about Keegan Murray. So mm. like it struggles because now I'm yeah. at the point where I'm like, man, I love Johnny. Like, should he be fifth? Like I go back and forth with it. I haven't told Metcalf this, so he's probably gonna <laughs> be smiling all night. But well, you know I thought you were going to say, like, oh, here we go. I thought you were going to say, like, well, I have him 12. Uh, <laughs> and, and, so, like, now what do we do? No, but uh, we we really wanted to talk to you because we're kind of just puzzled by – he just seems like he's not getting enough love maybe in, in the, you know, the draft media, draft Twitter, whatever you want to call it. But every time I watch Johnny, uh, I'm just so impressed. I, I think yeah. he's just a grinder. You can tell he has that mentality. He just wants to compete his butt off. The motor defensively has really jumped out to me. I think, I think he's got an argument to be one of the better, you know, defensive wings in this class. And I and I really love Dyson Daniels, but I just think that highly of of Johnny. And he's just tough. Like he's just battling. And I think a lot of people. I, w- I wanted to ask you about this, but are people overreacting to like the the shot selection because of the the buildup of that Wisconsin team. And I'm not trying to downplay those kids, but it was tough. Like they kind of yeah. gave him a ball a lot of time. They were like, Hey, save us, you know, figure, it, work, out. figure it out. <laughs> so I just wanted to see where you're at with that. Yeah. It's sort of like uh pre GPS. You get behind the wheel, just like figure out the directions. Like how do you get there? I don't know. It's <laughs> like, well, page 12 of map quest. Like why well, have pages nine and tree. 11? Where's right. Uh, I'm dying on the Johnny Davis Hill too. Like numbers be damned just at, at six, five as that size is a combo guard for that team and and I really like Greg Gard as a coach in a program that team has no business winning 25 games no. and and he was no. the catalyst behind all that and just offensively I, I like the way he navigates screens uh I like the way he keeps the de- defense guessing on is he going to pull up is he going to take one dribble is he going to spin back to post maybe a little bit he scores that different styles of play if it's up tempo he's good finishing on the break so half court he can like kind of set the table then lull you to sleep then attack a shifting defense and with all the points that he had, the first half of the year was way better. In the second half, like the shooting, second half of the year shot 21% from three. Free throw just dipped a little bit. But he saw like tougher coverage, and he wasn't getting nearly the same open looks. And a lot of those teams just adjusted to the style of play because this guy's getting hype and buzz to be national player of the year and Big Ten player of the year. So when you play a team twice, or even in his case a couple times, three times, like it, it's going to be different. And he was hurt in the week leading up to Purdue, that game on March 1st, and he was never 100% the rest of the year after that. He probably needed a week or two off, but it's, it's March, right? Like, mm-hmm. John Rothstein tells us, we'll sleep in May. Like, he didn't have yes. time to sleep. It was like, I, I got to play through this. So after that win, Wisconsin goes one and three, I think, from there, and, and they barely beat Colgate out of the first round. 
and, and even then, like he rolled them to victory in the second half with some of those shots, and he gave everything he had left on the ankle. And he lacked lift. It was never like the most blindingly speed guy as it is, and with separation. And I don't, I still don't think like that's who he was as a as a prospect. And I challenge kind of people, and, and not you guys, because you think as highly of him as I do. But just go back and watch how he was against Houston early in the year. Yes. Or watch how watch how he was at Mac Arena against Purdue. Watch how he was on the road against Ohio State. He's a high level guy that that scored a lot. He won a lot. He probably tried to do too much. There's some bad shots and. We're watching here at home, shaking our head like, I don't know about that one. But when you have to put up points, and that's what it's going to take for Wisconsin to win, he's sort of like, in a sense, the numbers are better from scoring, but it hurts the percentages because he felt like he needed to do that. He's going to settle in as a plus NBA player. I've come down a little bit because when he was on his real kick around the new year, I was like, is he third? Is he like over? Is it Chet Jabari, Johnny Davis, then Jaden Ivey? Then they kind of like – Ships in the night a little bit, even without the athleticism, even without the March dip. I'm like, Jaden's probably the guy that if he hits, it's more of a chance he's a star. But I, I really, really intrigued as Johnny Davis, and this is not a knock, when he can be a second or third option in an NBA team where he's not like the top of the scouting report, like, okay, it's, it's a swing cut, he's going to post, he's going to come back to the down screen. When you can kind of like forget about him, he can be a 15, 20 point per game score down the line if, if it all works. And that's almost exactly where I'm at with him too. Cause I, I keep seeing these arguments about his inefficiency and the outside yeah. shooting and the bad shot selection, but you know, it's like, I'm not expecting this guy to be a 35 usage guy in the NBA. No. Like that's not who he is. And if you go back and look at his freshman film, he was a bench role player. Right. He was more of a role player at FIBA, but he took on a more of an offensive load, but he wasn't the everything for that team. He adapted and molded his game to whatever his teams needed and whatever his coaches asked for. And just that from like an intangible standpoint, I think is really fascinating with young players. And then when they did need him to turn it on, he, he turned it all the way on and was one of the most electric scorers and, you know, two way players in the entire country. Yeah. And and I think the defense too is good. He can guard ones and twos. People have knocked a little bit in the size, like Kenny guard threes. I think a little bit like I'm not telling him to, to guard a three that's six foot nine with a seven foot one wingspan all game. I think he can switch a little bit and be physical. And he was really good as that. And I've over this for like safety on defense, like playing away from the ball, like he has really good instincts to jump the lane and, and get passes, get deflections. And he can change things too. The way when he does secure steals and he gets downhill and he's really good in transition. It's not just a battering ram either. Like he can give it up and, and get it back. He can pull up. He can reset the offense. There's a lot to like there. I, I don't – this is going to sound weird. It, it would be almost better – I mean, not financially, but if he slid like a little bit and the expectation wasn't quite like as high, I think he could be even more successful. And, and we see that with with guys so often. When you're taking top five and you become like a number two or three option, people just immediately deem that as a failure. Not that it should be, but you're seen as like a cornerstone if you're a top five pick. And I, I think he's just a, a really elite, high-level number two or three guy. So the, the the other nat or knock that I keep seeing on him is the lack of passing and playmaking. And again, yep. I don't think he's going to have as much of an on-ball role, but I was actually really impressed with his passing, but to get assists and, you know, the assist numbers are what a lot of people go off of when initially judging a guy's playmaking to get an assist. 
the other guy has to make a shot. Unfortunately, <laughs> right. not a whole lot of shooters on that Wisconsin team. So no. this number's not that impressive. Um, as a guy who, you know, can attack closeouts, get downhill, get to his spots in the mid-range, and then find those kickouts or dump-offs, do you, do you think there is some secondary or, you know, maybe even just tertiary playmaking upside there? Tertiary for sure. And some of those pick and rolls that came off, it was like the right read, it was the right pass, but sometimes it didn't fall. It's hard when... Like Chucky Hepburn had a really good year. Brad Davidson had a, a really good year, like by their standards. But if you just like picked him up and plopped him onto a team that had shooters, those those assist numbers are go up just because like guys are also knocking down shots. Or you have a big at a pick and roll who they they have to hedge out hard on Johnny and he get him in the middle. It's a catch and a dunk. He had some of those, but not as many opportunities as a lot of these other guards we're talking about too. It's not like he was running pick and roll. Malachi Brand will get with him. Mm-hmm. With EJ Liddell, and it's like, all right, dude, like, which one do you want to do? Like, do you want to get killed in a pull up, or do you want to get like dunked on in the post? For sure. And, you know, Johnny's game is a little more old school where it's interior and mid range base, um, which, you know, I, I personally love. I love how he gets to his spots. He's one of the more, more physical guards in this draft and just quickly pops off the floor once he gets to his spot. And I think that is going to translate pretty easily. And it just reminds me a lot of the way that guys like Brandon Roy or Devin Booker play where, yeah, they're good outside shooters, but that's not their, you know, sole game. That's right. not what they rely on. So when we think about Johnny developing and evolving and translating to the NBA, what, what kind of style do you think um, he'll grow into? More of that. And, and some of the also, I'd say negativity, I guess, a little bit is he played Wisconsin system. They've run that thing like forever. Like, I don't think he, yeah. his game is really flex cuts in the post and like post up like I'm <laughs> six foot five. Like, it's not going to, that's not going to happen to the NBA either. Like, two guards in the NBA are, are six foot seven, six foot eight. And like, yeah, good luck. Uh, so he, he's going to be able to adapt to the role around him too. And, and that's what I'm drawn to that if it's really fast or really slow, the court shrunken down. Some of these prospects, when the game goes at a different pace, it's like, all right yank them like we had somebody else because it's going too slow or for bigs that it's going too fast i've got to pull him he's just malleable to all different styles of play yeah he should watch a lot of devin booker film he should watch a lot of like desmond bain film i'm not saying he's going to be the shooter that those guys are but finding your like weaving yourself into whatever's happening offensively and picking your spots and finding ways to be efficient too out there rucker you know i've had Davis at four for the vast majority of the year. Um, I do not expect him to go number four or higher or in that range on draft night. Um, So I, and I fully acknowledge that I'm higher than most, but when, when we think about, you know, draft ranges for these guys, Rucker, where where are you thinking? Are you thinking more mid lottery end of the lottery? Do you have a favorite fit? Um, It's, it's just so tricky because I, I'm like you guys, I think so highly of them. So I, I get to a point, in the top 10 where I'm like, yeah, I, I would believe in him everywhere. Like it's just right, funny because, right. um, you know, Metcalf, you brought it up. Like he really, you know, I know how shifty this guy was in college at, at Washington, but he really does give me Brandon Roy vibes just watching him because he, he moves so smooth laterally. Um, I think Ivy does the same thing too. Just those guys just move like so smooth when they're we're navigating through traffic. So I mean, Portland might be a little rich for some fans, but I, I could see him maybe being there. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry, Kings fans, but me and Metcalf have publicly said we're rooting for him not to go there. So that's the name I was going to pick. I'm like, well, yeah. he'd be able to. <laughs> he wants to learn a little bit on the fly because, yeah. because he looks sort of in that range, and this will all change in in five days or whatever. But 
if you just go on Tankathon right now, I, despite us liking him, I don't think he's going to go in the top five, right? They're right. so just doing no. Tankathon right now. It's like Portland sixth. They have they have their guards. Like I don't know, I, I, as I just say, Jaden Ivey's fit. But it's probably too similar to the type of game that Dame Lillard, Simons have. Like I, I just rock out with those guys. It's not a, a different enough look. Sacramento, sure, is is uh, what New Orleans eighth. Like maybe San Antonio, they have a million guards, but that'd be interesting. Washington, they're kind of a mess right now. Yeah, I uh, the, the like I don't. If, if this is the way it shook out, I don't know if he gets past the Knicks at like eleven. That it seems like it would work. This is why I love the draft, though, because we say, like, yeah, we love fifth. I'm like, okay, what team works? Um, I have 14th to the Cavs. Like, okay, idiot, so why do you have, why do you have fifth? But I don't have those answers, and, and that's why I, I look forward to this day and night every year because no matter how much film we watch or think we get it right, it's always going to be something different, too. Absolutely. Um, Rucker, did you have something? Sorry. Yeah, Metcalf, where's your favorite fit? Seeing that you're part of the agency, what, what's going on? I mean, it, it really is funny because um, just like Matt said, like you run through a couple of teams and they all present like curveballs for Johnny or some yeah. of these guards. Like the Spurs, I would love him on the Spurs, but what are they doing? Are, are they going to have just a stable of wings? And, and Yeah, and they just um, dumped off Derek White to us, which is great. But in, yes. in return, they got, they got Romeo Langford, and, and Josh Primo is going to see more minutes next year. And right. Javante Murray is unbelievable. And what do you do with Lonnie Walker? And it's just a crunch, right? It's yes. like at, at some point, something's got to give. And maybe the Spurs want more frontcourt help because you have Jacob Podol, but do you want something else there? His contract's running out soon. There's so many different things like in motion for, for all these teams. Yeah, and if we're just talking about solely fit, I, I I do love him playing next to Dame. Um, I that and probably New Orleans are my two favorite spots for him. But again, that's where it comes into all right, how 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 rich are these guys feeling? And I just I would be really surprised if he ended up going top eight, even though I would obviously gladly take him that high. Um, I I don't think NBA front offices may be thinking the same. Um, but, but yeah, because. Isn't Good that sorry, a guy, though, that if he slides and he goes outside the top eight, I'm, like, screaming at my stockbroker, like, buy all of it, take the stock, yep, take it, go, go, yep. go, like, buy everything you can. Because, it, yeah, New Orleans is weird, too, because they have, what, C.J. McCollum now, like, they made the move, they have Brandon Ingram. I don't know if it works, but, like, if we keep going down the pegs, now you're getting to better teams. Now it's like, all right, you're the second guy. Okay, you're the third guy. Okay, mm-hmm. now you're, like, maybe the fourth starter. If he gets that guy, it's it could be a long night in the green room, potentially, but long-term in two or three years would probably pay off, too. And and just given the jump that he made and the the way he's been able to kind of mold his game to fit whatever role he's needed, I know I mentioned it earlier, but I think that's really valuable and something we don't really get a lot of from these young guys who are so frequently just the guy from day one and till the end. And we've seen Johnny, you know, not be this high highly rated recruit and just grow his game and then turn into the guy. But he's played a bunch of these different roles and the the way that he's kind of conformed his game to well, whatever's needed from him and even go out of his comfort zone in a lot of those situations. I, I just don't see a situation where he just flat out fails. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and he's been a worker and, and he chose Wisconsin. He was like a borderline top 100 recruit. He played an Under Armour circuit, which I, I work on and help operate those events. And, and I was always a huge fan. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I did not see this. I thought maybe after three or four years, He's a mid to late first round guy. Even that, I, I'd say mm-hmm. ambitious. But it, it does 
remind me that like he picked the right place. Wisconsin was the right place for him. He didn't go to just like the highest offer or hey, like can I'm just speculating here, but Kansas came in late. I can go to Texas and go to Florida. It was just like Wisconsin is the best fit developmentally for me. Took such a huge jump from freshman to sophomore year, put in the work and and improved. So I, I don't think that's going to change. And and doing that and, and cutting the success that comes to you, he's going to keep the chip on his shoulder. If now all of a sudden he's been hyped all year, your Big Ten Player of the Year had a crappy tournament, he'll probably tell you the same thing. And now you're drafted like tenth or eleventh. Uh, okay, like put that guy in the court. He's he's going to be out there to prove everybody wrong too. So you you mentioned that you saw him during you know the the pre college circuits. Yeah. Do you besides the work ethic? Is there anything that you remember kind of carrying over or significantly changing since then? No, not necessarily. I, I just remember watching him and watching that team that was really good. And they also had the Madsen twins. They've transferred, but I, I, one was at Cincinnati, one was at Utah, and they're really good. They're a good unit. It was awkward. They had two sets of twins. It was Johnny and Jordan, the <laughs> yeah. twins, whatever. Uh, but I, I just remembered seeing him as this scoring two that I'd look in the stands and be like, I don't know why more coaches aren't like here. Why is this guy like a priority guy? Wisconsin was there every single game as they should mm-hmm. be. He played for the Wisconsin Playground Warriors in your backyard. Like, don't mm-hmm. miss on it. But I, I thought there'd just be more kind of like attention from higher level guys because they had a good team too. I think they lost like the final four of our summer stuff. So unless college coaches knew like, hey, he's going with his brother to Wisconsin, I think his brother like may have like committed first or, or something like funky. So uh, maybe it's a little bit of an inside job, but I just really, uh, I admired his demeanor and he came out and played at, at Steph Curry camp, which is for, at the time was like the 20 best high school guards in the country. He belonged in a, in a good sense. He didn't stand out as holy crap as a top five guy, but it was, yeah, this, this is guy's going to outplay his ranking and be a really good college player. Well, another guy who seems to have quickly outplayed his ranking is Malachi Branham, who, you know, when, Last summer when I was going just through high school film, I think I was watching someone's game and they just happened to be playing Branham and yeah. he caught my eyes like, oh, OK, this this is a guy to keep an eye on for a couple of years. You know, I'm thinking 2023 at the earliest and then right. he gets off to a hot start at Ohio State. It's like, oh, OK, interesting. I mean, maybe he'll test the waters now. And then he just exploded once the new year came. Um, what has surprised you the most with this Branham, you know, skyrocketing? Just so ahead of schedule, like I, I knew who he was. I was watching, and I I don't want to say by accident because I, I watched a, a lot of basketball, but I, I was watching for Bryce McGowan's. I was watching Nebraska, Ohio State, and he had like seven threes. I'm like, well, that's on his game, but he was like pretty good. So I like forgot about him, just tucked him away. I was watching EJ Liddell, like I, I was watching, and then I, I kept on getting like drawn back. So for him to be this late riser, I'd say it's much more than like a flavor of the week. It, it's much more than just like one big tournament game. We all overreact. That second half of the year, he was an All American. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't give out awards for second half of the year, but at six foot five with long arms, with a combo that knows how to use that length and that elevation he has as a jumper to rise up and shoot over the top of guys. And the numbers just from February to end of the season, he averaged 18 points per game, shot 57% from the field, 43 from three, 89 from the free throw line while exploiting matchups. And if you switch on a screen, he's finding a way to score. Uh, I really like the the touch he has on a shot. He shoots a really clean ball from three. Despite not taking a ton of threes, he was three for eight in that Villanova game where they got knocked out. But is that like a sneak preview of things to come? So another guy who's young, another guy that's hungry, he's hitting his like developmental crescendo at the right time. Uh, also want the defense to be better. 
I want some of the passing to be better. I thought the pick and roll stuff got there more so, but he was sort of one track mind at times. Like I get mine off this, but overall just a, a lot to like from a, a young guard that made a ton of noise in the big 10 to finish the season. Rucker, what, what really stood out to you when you went through the, the, the Branham deep dive? Yeah. I mean, I, I was doing, trying to get pretty much my full first round guys, just do get a feel for everyone, kind of what they could do. And I feel like Branham jumped at me the most. I, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, okay, I'm in love. Here's, here's my guy, <laughs> the, the late riser of my evaluation process. Um, just really smooth. And, and I think really patient with the ball. Like he, he, a lot of people like question his explosiveness and I understand that, but I also think he does a good job of like hiding it because he's patient he waits for windows to open up and then he attacks it when it, when it happens. And, and I just think he's got real upside to be a, a volume offensive weapon. Like he's got the flashes of three level scoring. Um, I'm just a big fan. I agree with Matt, like defensively you see the flashes, but it's just a little inconsistent. Like you, you can see he's lengthy. Yeah. He's got the, the measurables and the ability to be, be a strong like defensive asset, but I still think there's just needs to be a little bit more like tinkering with the fundamentals, some, some patience, some consistency, but um, I, I really like them. And Matt, I actually wanted to ask you, cause I've had someone bring this up to me and, and I saw it a couple times on tape, but you know, when, when it came to Brandon playing with Ohio state, I feel like they, you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not some X and O expert, but I feel like they use like, had their big seal off a lot of time on drives. Do you think yeah. that was just trying to hide Branham's like lack of, of explosiveness for the rim? Or do you think that's just kind of smart designing and coaching or where were you at with that? Uh, probably the, probably both to be frank. Yeah. Like I, he, he doesn't have like, if you're not sealing off, if, if he's going up and dunking, it's a fast break. Like I don't think right. he's going to like break you down on an Island and take a dribble and like look at you on his hip and, and dunk. That's not who he is. So if you can create like another few feet of space and EJ Liddell can spin and seal. Yeah. Take it, take what you can get. Uh, but I just, he, he's mesmerizing to me in a sense that it was sort of like, um, you know, in the office when Toby's talking to uh, Holly Flack about like, just like stop, like stop talking. Like I felt like that was a lot of NBA front offices because this was a guy that they had like on their radar. Like this is the guy we take 27th. This right. is like the Peyton Watson, the Bryce McGowan's, the Josh Minor, whoever, who's like, okay, here's a few flashes. And then he like pieced all these flashes at the same time. And it's like, ah, crap, this guy's like really good. He's averaging 19 a game. So it was sort of this like tucked away player for a while. And, yeah, he's going to have limitations. I, I didn't think he was going to be a, a one-and-done guy. Like, he mm-hmm. he wasn't on a list that Sam and I talked about, about, like, here's the 100 guards on the, the radar for next draft class. So we're all still learning about him, and, and people are digging back into his tape from St. Vincent mm-hmm. St. Mary's and some of the grassroots circuit stuff. I like his game and, and how it does translate potentially from scoring and shooting. He's going to have to answer some questions defensively he's going to have to answer some questions about really being able to score and create off the dribble if it's not just like a step back a, an up fake a lean into you but i like him a lot like it, it's there's guys in the draft like i don't know on aj griffin i don't like i don't know on shaden sharp i don't know if i could take jalen during the top 10 i'd rather just bet on the guy that can really shoot it shoots a high percentage and still figuring out like even what he's supposed to be doing on the basketball court and my, my favorite thing that kind of links all these, all three of these guys together um, is that I, I think all of them 
will be best as that second option or yeah. you know even third option obviously ivy has the most potential to be to be that number one because of the athleticism but given you know their off-ball skills their ability to be like a second side creator um with branham i i just i think being that you know pure shooting guard who can create a, or run a second side pick and roll and attack downhill or attack an empty um corner that's where I get really excited about his translation. And, you know, it's always the, 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 the key question that everyone always asks with these guards and wings is, Oh, is he a primary guy? And it's like, no, not everyone. The threshold for that is so stinking high that not all of these guys can do that. But when you were talking about his game earlier, the, what really jumped out to me was that when you mentioned his length and how he just knows how to use it. And it, yeah. it's just really subtle stuff on the, the mid range pull-ups, the high release, the inside scoop finishes. Um, he's not like super crafty at the rim, but he's really good with angles and fully extending at the rim. And then just when he passes, I I'm really high on his passing. I know the reads weren't always perfect, but he just shifts angles and, makes entry passes and also niche skill but it's a lot of stuff that we see young players struggle with especially like if you watch the 76ers series they're struggling to throw an entry pass to Embiid and Branham's a guy who's you know uses his length to pass over the guy or to step around it's just little stuff like that where it's like okay this guy just seems to really understand himself and the the spacing and the game yeah, he never seems to really try to do too much outside of what he can do either. It's not mm-hmm. like there's some of these guys at times with Jaden Ivey, it's like, ooh, we got too much there. There's a little too much. With Johnny, like, I don't that's not really a game. I didn't walk away too many times from Malachi Branham saying that. He can be, like, a little shot happy at times. But it's always, like, kind of, like, good shots in my mind. And the primary creator thing is a really interesting point, too, because I don't know, like, how many of those guys coming into the draft, really, that we can say are those guys, mm-hmm. it, certainly in this class, but, like, even look, and I'm a uh, I'm a Cade Cunningham stand for sure. Yep. I, I love yep. Cade Cunningham. Yep. But if you said to me, like, hey, what if, what if, just live with you in this world, what if he just, like, slides off? He plays a two or the three, he's, like, a really good passer, can shoot, goes off the break, but he doesn't have to, like, create as much. That's fine. I, I'd still take Cade one in a redraft. Like, I'd... That doesn't change anything for me. Uh, Josh Giddy, the last draft, I mean, when Shea's back and depending on who they draft, if they push him over to the guard, he's not necessarily like your primary guy. Like, that, that's all right, too. So, I, like, I don't want to put, like, the burden of having to be that guy on Malachi because like, that's not who he is. Like, that's not who Jaden Ivey is. It's, not, it's definitely not who Johnny Davis is. But they can do that, like, a, a little bit. So, if that's a, a shortcoming, like, I'm okay with that. There's so few guys – that really can do that, even in the NBA. I mean, okay, Luka Doncic playing, like, right now, sure, great, awesome. But, like, the Celtics, like, who's their primary guy? Like, Marcus mm-hmm. Smart? Like, not really. Like, he is. He brings the ball up, but then right. he kind of hits Tatum, goes to the corner, they come back around. It, it's such a small grouping of those guys that actually do it. Rucker, uh, Branham is, I think out of all three of these guys, he probably has the wider widest variance on, you know, where he's falling on, on people's boards. But it seems like he's pretty much – come around as a surefire first rounder um as just pure upside like what what is the best case scenario for him whether it's situation landing spot where do you think he will be if he reaches kind of his peak as a player oh gosh why do you give me all the tough like fit (laughs) questions like this is is beautiful because sam always makes me uh, on game theory think of my feet like last 
I had some crap because last episode, like, all right, quick, we're doing a draft of the remaining players left yeah. in the NBA playoffs. Who do you want? I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I prepped for, like, you know, guarding Giannis. Like, I, I don't know. So somebody texted me earlier, like, dude, you're an idiot. You took, like, Jimmy Butler. I don't know, dude. Like, I wasn't ready. So the floor's yours. You got it. I'm, I'm glad I'm, like, pulling up my board on my phone as opposed to having to answer that. No, I mean, like, I, so on my big board, I have – I'm falling in love with him i have him 13th um i'm just really buying the upside and i can't get the idea like it might be a little rich for some people but like i i love the idea of him going to the knicks i, I think that would be yeah, a wild like card but him playing with rj um you know he he can do some good stuff in the pick and roll i think what was he like 90 my gosh 94th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler like I just love the feel for the game he has, and, and he could also play off of RJ. So I just love that fit. I think like we're talking a lot about these guys. I think if 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 Brandon could be a number two option, um, just a, a potential floor spacer, like catch and shoot guy that could also attack the lane and and create off of that. I just really am a fan of his game, and, and it's one of those guys that you know every time I watch him, I, I keep becoming like, okay, do I need to move him up a little? Like, I, I just really think this could be a guy that's gonna hear his name in the lottery. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm a fan of him. Matt, is there is there any team that just kind of jumps off the screen for you? There's not a jump off the screen team, but as I, I pull up Tankathon here again, uh, I, I will say this there's teams in the top 10 who are going to be in the top 10 that like them, that are like giving them like an actual long look. So, I don't think you're too crazy for having them there. I'm gross. I have him seventh. I I, I like him a I lot, mate. I yeah. love this. I love and, this guys. Uh, but but again, fit, and and that's why draft night will be different than your boards, and yep. encourage your boards to be different because you should have your own guys. Not hey, here's a mock. You can do that, and you can hedge and say, hey, I got it right on my mock, not my there. No story. <laughs> uh, but you look in that range from ten to fourteen, ten to fifteen. If it's like the Knicks, if it's uh, OKC, would be interesting. Charlotte, Cleveland, like all those places are really good. Like Cleveland's an intriguing one for me, mm-hmm. and, and they got to yeah. figure out the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton thing. But that, like, that's a place like the expectations aren't crazy. Like you have Jared Allen, you you have Evan Mobley, you you have Darius Garland, you have all like three all stars. Like just kind of go in and, and play your game and, and bit minutes and develop. Just a place where it's not called on him to be sort of what you said, like this primary guy or like, okay, here, go like, we're Sacramento or seventh, like go change the franchise. I I don't know if he's necessarily ready for that either. For sure. Um, Rutgers or anything I missed with any of these three guys that that you really want to make sure we touch on. No, I mean, Metcalf, are we still crazy and thinking that Branham could somehow be a Spurs pick, even though they, we just talked about this earlier because they have 45 (laughs) wings and guards, but I don't know. I just think some team's going to fall in love with him, especially if he's got a strong pre-draft process, because I think, you know, he's going to be an interesting fit, like, especially if some team believes he could play off of their, you know, maybe the Spurs believe with Dante Murray, Branham's perfect, right. or maybe the Knicks with RJ Barrett. So I don't know, Metcalf, I'm still buying into that curveball with the Spurs. You never know there. Yeah, you, I told you before that you're not allowed to throw any more Spurs name, Spurs <laughs> options at me ever since we outlawed Duran in our mocks because that's all we were doing. It got boring, and now you just keep throwing a million names at me, <laughs> and I, I, I like all of them, and it's yeah. infuriating. But, it's, but but probably for, for these guys too is – and I was – this is probably what I missed on with, with James Wiseman a little bit is Golden State had a enormous hole at center. And I just, in my brain, I was like, well, they need to do it through the draft. Like, they need James Wiseman. Yeah. He's right there. Take him, right? 
that wasn't that's probably in injuries I, I get it but that probably wasn't the answer it was probably the mellow ball because now you see like all right well now you got jordan bull now you got aaron wiggins you still have clay you still have steph you still have like they they made all those pieces work so i i also don't want to say and this is not just spurs specific but for these other teams in the top 10 like they gotta get better just get the best yeah. player and make depth you don't have to like make these pieces fit because you're in the lottery for a reason you're not going to turn the tide by being safe and just say hey we're we're team x like we already have three guards like what are we going to do if they believe them strong enough i i do think they'll take best player available later in the first you'll you'll get sort of more fitty things or, or drafting stash or let's just like slowly bring them along and he can be a plug-in four guy at times but just get better that, that's what the teams at the top of the draft should be doing rucker i i think it's time we just kind of open it up go with you know open mic session thoughts and nba draft buzz questions where do you want to start matt i, I gotta ask you a question because me and metcalf and Corey on no ceilings and pretty much our entire team are puzzled about this so here's the here's the hypothetical situation uh, you gotta answer it it's like how many um, grains of sand on the beach don't don't yeah, make yeah there we go we're it. starting, we're starting <laughs> some math questions if you guys uh, oh take the over <laughs> um okc stays at four what do yeah. they do? And the big three go one, two, three. Do you go Jaden Ivey? Jaden Ivey, yeah. Okay. I, I would. If, if, I, if I'm in the chair, I just think he get better. He, I know, like, we, we talked about their guards, and, yeah, they, they certainly need a big, but I wouldn't reach and just take Jalen Dern there because, hey, we need a big. I, I'm at the point now I have Mark Williams right there, like, in front of him, and I'd rather roll the dice and try to get him 12th or, or whatever pick this that is. Perfect. But Jaden Ivey, he's too good to pass on and just say, like, ah, let's just – let's take a wing. Like, they'd be – they're going to do their homework. They're going to take a long look at Shaden Sharp. I, I get that but because of same athletic tools that just translate right away on an NBA court. But I, I would just – let's take Jaden Ivey. Let's let's get up and now with Shea and, and Giddy and just see what happens. We got a Mark Williams truther too, Metcalf. This is the best guest we've ever had. Oh, I mean – why, why is it true though? Like you, you guys watch more film than me, and I, I see all your uh, your memes you make about like drinking coffee and watching drafting. <laughs> but when when you watch Mark Williams too, and I, and I was late to this, I had a couple buddies who were on the Mark Williams train much earlier, and I kind of dismissed it a little bit after last season because I thought he took advantage of Duke just not being great and, and Jalen Johnson being not there and Wendell Moore was just okay. So mm-hmm. second half of the year's numbers his spike, but he was able to then have like these 12 point 15 rebound eight block games with like a real edge and a real nastiness it's like that's an nba starting center like it might not be from from jump street but in a draft that's been labeled a little bit it's just not i don't want to say weak but just not as deep for star power if that's a starting guy that i can get at 12 i'm taking him yeah i'm right there with you i have him at 13 i think he's probably the most NBA ready center from day one in this class. Um, I, I also just love how low maintenance he is. Um, right. Just, I, I love the way he moves his feet. He's an awesome rim protector. He cleaned up so much for that Duke team that just got back cut to death on a nightly basis. And then he runs the floor and catches everything um, yeah. with the best centers. So it's like, this guy's not going to demand 12 post-ups a game he's going to screen for you he's going to roll he'll catch everything that you throw at him and then he'll dunk it or kick it out or get the offensive rebound so i just he seems like situation proof to me where he can basically pl- be a plug and play guy from almost day one 
Yeah, that's a great point too. Because with the NBA, you're if you're big, especially, you're not getting many touches. Like your touches on yeah. offensive rebounds, or if you rim run and get one. And I'd have to go back and, and deeper dive and, and watch Duke. I watched plenty of Duke this year, but it never seemed like all right. Paulo shot three times in a row. Trevor Keels chucked one up. It never seemed like he had bad body language. Like yo, man, mm-hmm. like give me a touch or like, I'm gonna rip someone's head off. It was always like all right, I'm gonna run. Uh, I'll protect the rim. Uh, I'll hit opposite. I'll dive. I'll, I'll make a lot of contact on boxing out. And after the year he had the year before, just statistically speaking, he, he still was was able to like have an impact without like getting like the most touches. And then when he did. There's a lot of times a dunker spot, he just ripped the rim off. And he has a physical brand of basketball defensively. Like he got, I think it was a flagrant foul when I started playing Boston College. was like, all right, he's got some of that in him too. Like he's not afraid to be an enforcer on the defensive side of the ball. Rucker, I'm sorry. I, I got to ask about him. Um, Matt, you were early on the, 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 the Blake Wesley train. Yeah. Rucker and I just we, we can't come around on it. We we, no, we need to struggle it. with we it. Need so, it. Yeah, we so need you to help us because we yeah. we talk about it all the time, and, and I want to believe. I'm rooting for every guy. Like that's what we try to right. say. Yeah. we're rooting for every kid in this draft, but I just can't see it. And I want to. I get the idea or why people are in love, but I just need you know help me help you. Yeah, I'm I'm not in love either, and I saw okay. him. <laughs> Here we I go. Really like, I really like him. I love him. Uh, I saw him at so I played BC. So BC is ten minutes from my house. So if I say BC, it's like yeah, dude, because you can walk there. Great, you great yeah. scouting. Uh, but I went shoot around and I was like, okay, this kid's like pretty good. Like I, the shot's like a little bit funky, but he had good size. He's a freshman. He started every ACC game. I think he had like seventeen points that night. I, so I liked him during the year, but never like I never thought it was like the fully actualized version of what he is. And then I had him like down the 20s and then had some moments where he, he had like five or six threes in a game. And I, I liked the the size when he came off ball screens a little bit and how he can create his own shot, can get to the rim. But it wasn't like the real come up and, and dunk on a rotating guy. And the tournament like turned me off a little bit because it just sticks out in my head too. that playing game where he's like going to the rim, the triple overtime game, right? Or double overtime, whatever it was. And he's blocked. The, the other game they eliminated was blocked. NBA teams really like him. Like, I would not be surprised if, if he's a lottery guy. I have, like, a little bit lower, but teams are just betting on the age. They're betting on the size and the backcourt and hoping that he gets to a place where the shot selection becomes a little bit better. And it, it's not quite the the Johnny Davis situation, I'd say, at Wisconsin. But at Notre Dame, just their style of play, too. Like, Dane Goodwin isn't making his jump shot easier a cleaner look like they're they the way that they played and, and can slow it down a little bit he wasn't like completely he was given freedom but it wasn't the type of thing where like hey get up and down and, and really like play your game and show what you can do uh i have him as i pull this up i, I think middle of the first round uh i have him 15th and the reason is there just seems to be that's a bet on a stock that's not like here right now i have usman jang right behind him that's a bet on a stock because there's so many guys that the question – this is like a little question mark, and the, the other guy's like bigger question marks. I'm like, I guess I'll just bet on like the, the little question mark on this one and see that like if you get in the right place and doesn't have to play right away, is this a steal in a year from now? And you're hoping he makes the Jaden Ivey jump, the Johnny Davis jump, that next year he would have been a top six pick. You got him at 16th, and it's value for everybody. Rooker, who else you got? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Matt, do you have any, any guys you just off the top of head you're, you're wanting to talk about or guys you're 
intrigued yeah, I'm, with I'm, or buzzing so I, or what? In, in my little notes here, and I, I don't, I've, I think the Jalen Williams Santa Clara thing is, has yes. really been talked yep. about a, a lot, and I, I really like him. I'd be surprised if he's not a first round pick or his second round pick. He's kind of early thirties. The one, I guess, two guys that, that I have for you that I really like, but they're purely pre-draft guys. Peyton Watson or Josh Minot, where are you at? Is it close? Is it like they're 27, 28, or is it like you're crazy? They're 54, 55. How much is your appetite to reach? Because they're not ready, not not close. No. They, they didn't even play in their college teams. How much are you willing to reach and say, this guy is going to be a top 10 pick if he went back to school? If he's in this draft class, what can we do? I went and saw Peyton Watson. I went to Vegas, watched the Pac-12 tournament, and I, I would, I would still take him in the first round at the end yeah. if I was a smart team. Um, I know everyone's going to look at the stats, but I just the flashes, and and I really do feel like that was just a tough situation. I feel like NBA teams could still be buying into the long term upside because the tools are unreal um, defensively yeah. too. I just think it could have been one of those years where you know looking back like the Jaden McDaniels years, um, Zyra Williams, even just kind of one of those rough yeah. one and done guys, but I still think he's got long-term potential. So I love him. Um, my not, I- I'm still a little bit puzzled by, I, cause when he has those flashes, I'm like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. Like, yes, I love he's a, this. He's a, he's a great highlight guy. Who's breaking yeah. down for like 30 seconds. Like this yes. is a top 12 pick, right? Yeah. That's the whole game. It's like, well, no, he doesn't really play. He plays 30 right. minutes a game. Like, wait, what? What's the guy, like? the guy that makes the highlights for the draft, he's probably gonna have so much fun making my knots little like, one minute <laughs> okay. clip. He's gonna be like, "This I, is I, great." I had a good run. Uh, I was walking at UMass. I had a good run for like three straight years. I was on the bench, like reacting poorly to like Rudy Gay, like dunking over four of my teammates. <laughs> uh, so I get that. Like the the highlight reels hit really close to my heart too. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's where I'm at. Um, how about yourself or, or Metcalf? You can get in it too and stop being so shy. But all right. Metcalf, are you on the Peyton Watson train, yeah. or are you opposite of me? Um, so I, I, I've he's fallen a little bit for me, but that's more so for just because other guys kind of jumping him. Um, and he's in both those guys are in the thirties for me right now, but huh? I'd be fine any place you know around twenty five taking him. Um, it's kind of that whole cluster of guys in the late first, early second that you know are. I'm just basically splitting hairs on and putting a number next to, but the situation for both of them, I don't think could have been worse this year. And the fact that Peyton Watson couldn't get any minutes when UCLA is blowing out these crappy Cal state teams early in the season uh, was really frustrating for me. Um, But, you know, as the year went on, the, the sparse minutes that he would get the, the defensive impact and the flashes were really impressive and his high school tape i i loved yeah. his passing and yes. he didn't get to show anything offensively this year you know scoring wise i don't think there was a lot to show but from a creation standpoint he just it, he, he didn't even have a leash he was just chained to the the the, the stoop and not allowed to roam at all um my not his his minutes were even more frustrating because he there was just no consistency to it yeah. um and why him and Duran didn't play more together, I don't know. I love his offensive rebounding. I love his motor. I get a lot of Jared Vanderbilt vibes from him. He just seems like this really raw ball of clay that, you know, hopefully can be molded into a few different things. Yeah, and I think 
Well, I don't think he, so Minot's in the transfer portal, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I don't think he's close to Dorian and going back. I almost hope for him that he does and, and goes somewhere where he can play. Whereas Peyton Watts is out, like his feet are out yeah. the door. And you, you said it in, in scouts and NBA guys that went to practice in the preseason said he had some like on ball reps. He was doing some pick and roll stuff because he actually grew up a guard and he had like a later growth spurt in high school and he kept that kind of guard package that he had. And, I I love McCrone. I love UCLA and you got to defend or you're not going to play it. And he could defend, but it's like playing a certain style and freshman guy takes the time to get along. You shorten your bench once you get to the tournament and you talk to people around the program and they say, yeah, he's still, he's a great kid. He works really hard. He's two years away, but the, the NBA and when you have these measurables and tangibles, the tape, when you cut it up and you see like the full court press on the point guard and then you're recovering to block the rim and you come back down and have like a tip dunk, that can be enough in this draft to be drafted late in the first round. So I wouldn't let him get outside the first round either. I have them 26-27, similar to you, because I, I don't feel great about everyone else in that range. It's not necessarily like a, a testament to like the belief in them, but more so I'd rather like ride with these guys than everyone else that's below them. So is it just the, the, measure, the measurables, like the physical profile, the work rate, that just kind of really makes you keep – buying into at least some extent on them yeah i mean again especially peyton watson because with mine on still on the fence i don't want to go like too deep into that mm-hmm. both watson i i remember the stuff in high school i remember the high school tape i remember him playing chet holmgren and dunking on him and, and talking his his noise to him like he was a, a really high level guy and i thought ucla was an interesting fit when they returned their whole starting five from the final four and, and had miles johnson a Rutgers transfer who didn't play a a, a ton or, or as much as you'd think it's just crowded, so he wasn't able to show off the the full package. But at, at six, what seven, eight? He's long. He defends. He shoot a little bit. Uh, he, he can guard different spots. He flies around the court. He's in the back court somehow. He darts up on the front court. I like that for a team that just go do that. And it's like Herb Jonesy in a sense of like just go defend, just go do this, and then all of a sudden Herb Jones is like an unbelievable like three point shooter, which I didn't have on my scouting report. Like I don't know if you guys did. Nope. No, I did so, not. <laughs> so there could, could there be another line or two of Peyton Watson where if he gets somewhere is, hey, come be like the tenth guy, a few injuries, a few opportunities, and all of a sudden you're in the rotation. R- Rucker, did you get a chance to watch any Leonard Miller yet? No. Not enough, which I kind of weirdly did on purpose because I want to hear what Mr. Penny <laughs> thinks because I it, my my film was brief and when it was brief I I was like okay I'm gonna need an evening from for this I was like this and cannot be rushed <laughs> yeah probably a couple Miller lights like something something like that right. so um, but yeah he's becoming the mystery man because everyone's buzzing about him I just I'm not even gonna try to pretend. That I have an uh, accurate opinion. So yes, Matt, please let us know what you're thinking. Yeah, this clip will probably cut up when he becomes an NBA All Star. But I yes. didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't like old Cole Tate's expose. Like you're an idiot. What are you doing? Yeah. I don't even. This is my real job. Relax. <laughs> I, I, I saw him live uh, in two different events this year. I didn't see it. I'm just going to be completely frank. I didn't walk away. Sometimes you walk away and see a guy. And like I remember the first time I saw Andre Drummond in high school, I said professional, like top five pick, like whatever. It, I didn't think it was going to be a Hall of Fame rebounder, but sometimes guys just jump out and you say, like, that's that's what they look like. He was really good. He dominated a lower level of competition. Uh, I was sitting with a, a Canadian scout who was like, yeah, it's him and Shaden Sharp, like neck and neck. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, Shaden Sharp is a, 
a different guy. It's like, no, they're, they're ranked one and two. And he's like, where do you think you should go to school? I said, it should be very fit dependent because he plays stiff. He plays upright. He doesn't really play a lot of defense or he, he didn't there. He has real skills, but it's kind of like he'd get the ball, they clear out, he'd do like a million dribble moves, and he'd beat a guy and dunk. It's like, there's something. It, but it wasn't enough to say this is a guy straight out of high school that I would take in the NBA. I would take him in the 40s as just a – he does enough at his size, and it's like a funky game. It's like unorthodox the way he gets shots off. He shoots over top of the defense. He covers like a lot of ground with his Euro steps. That like maybe – but but uh, people who are, are putting in the lottery of the top 20, I'm like, man, I don't uh, – I, you start to like, question your own eyes a little bit. It's like, did I – what like what did I miss? I sat uh, with but like next to a bunch of NBA scouts because the event I went to was sanctioned because their fifth-year guys were eligible. Didn't know at the time that Leonard Miller was. Uh, he was just like clear like a, a week or two ago, but just kind of picking those guys' brains. They're like, yeah, there's some things. Like it wasn't quite there. They played, uh, I think, the NBA Global Academy, who has Tyrese Proctor's mm-hmm. one of Duke, who I really liked. But again, I'm a kid. I was like, great. That'll be great in three years at, at Duke. I didn't think he was like ready to go. Uh, so yeah, mystery man. I mean, the workout video is going to look awesome. Like he he looks great in, the, in a workout. He's going to have to be able to find to play his game within the flow of an offense where he's not just like the alpha dog and averages 30 points per game. It's not like he averaged 30 points per game at, at Mount Verde or IMG. And oh my God, it was this NIBC schedule and this kid's outrageous. And it's not a dig at, at Canadian basketball at all, but it's hard when it's, it's that level of play. You have one really good Nike hoop summit. Now all of a sudden people are like, this is a, a top 10 pick or top 20 pick. So do you think if he does end up playing at the combine, do you think he could be one of these guys that really thrives in that kind of more pickup style because of the unorthodox nature and um, just of his off- offensive style? Do you think he could be one of these guys that kind of shines if he gets hot and jumps up, you know, 10, 20 spots. It's going to really depend on who his point guard is because his point guard is like, let me get you the ball in a place you can score. Maybe if he's on the team and it's JD note or, or somebody who's like, I'm getting mine. Like I'm coming off and like, if I'm doubled, like I'll, I'll hit, he's not going to, because he's not like a, like we talk about Josh Minot. We talk about Peyton Watson. Those guys are really good off the ball, like cutting, like creating like my own stuff. He's an offensive rebound. Leonard Mills more like I'm in the mid post. I'm at the elbow. Let me catch face up, take my time. Maybe it's like a weird, like inverted pick and roll. He's not going to be able to like play off other guys. He's better when guys play off of him. So if he's like the center point of one of those teams, maybe. But I, I don't want to blanketly say yes or no until I saw what sure. the team is. And I, I've always said like, if you're 25 down, you should play five on five. He has strangely built enough of a buzz that I would consider not even playing if I have a, a promise in that range. Because just like let it. Just let it happen, like or, or don't let, like you. You can't pick it apart if he doesn't play. He, he'll measure right. like pretty well athletically. He'll be well. He'll look great shooting jumpers in, in an empty gym. You're, you're playing with fire a little bit if, if he played. But I, I'm really that's one that draft night. Um, I'm honing in on and saying, could this guy go 25th or is he going to go like 58th? The last guy I have on my list that I am just is one of your early early season prospects of the week, uh, Jake Laravia, who no. just kind of seems to steadily be working his way up draft boards. Yeah. Um, I, I know Corey at No Ceiling sat down with him the other week. Um, and, you know, just the more I watch, the more I get intrigued. But I, mm-hmm. I just can't pin down who he is as a player because he just does a bit of everything. So 
please. I, I, who who is he as a player? Help, I don't help know. Me. You, you, you tell me. So we'll we'll start here. Where roughly do you guys have him on your boards? Roughly, don't have to be like to the actual point. Uh, early second, thirty-eight. I have him thirty-four, but I feel like the more I watch, the more I'm intrigued by moving up. Same. I like him yeah. a lot. I and see, I like him a lot too, and I have him at forty forty-one. Okay. So I, I really like him, and there was some like chatter behind the scenes. Man, what was this? Uh, February that like, hey, he's going to be in the draft. He's staying. I'm like, there's no way. Like, what do you like? But he, he's here, and now we're here. We have to figure it out. Now I like a lot of things he does, and he's a very smart player. I think he's reasoning all the things to say like, hey, he's white. Like he's crafty. He uses head around, but he does have some sneaky athleticism. Can shoot it analytically and statistically because of his age too. He's going to jump off the sheet. There's some weird like birthday thing of like, is he 22? Is he 20? I don't know. He's 20. He's he said that in an interview with with your guys. I watched that. There's also stretches where like he doesn't do anything on the court. And that's what I like I worry about a little bit too. Is like, are we just like missing this whole thing? And is that because he's playing with Alonis Williams, who is very ball dominant and is a really good passer, but that kind of limits what what Jake could do out there. Uh, I know people like have slid him into the first. I'd be more comfortable in the second. Feels like a, a safish play in the forties that you could see if if he gets a, the right program and, and team where they would play to his style, it, it could work. But I'm not quite there saying like Jake Laravia. I think Sam it has him like 25 or, or 23. I'm I'm about 15 spots away from that. Rucker, do you have anyone else? I mean, I, I could talk forever. So no, I don't want to have to do that to Matt. So, but no, I I agree about Laravia. I think I would be very excited if someone got him in like the early second. Yeah, but I understand people that have him as like a first round guy, but. I really like those guys. I have a weakness for the good feel, smart, just yeah. like kind of be patient and pick apart defenses. But I also think when you disappear on film, that's alarming. So I, it's it's a really good point that you're bringing up, and maybe it's the system. But uh, I, the more yeah, I it's sort of like sort of like when you watch Synergy too, and you're like, all right, I don't have a ton of time. Let me just see like his shots. And it's yeah. like, well, he took one at the 12 minute mark. It's like, wait, it's four minutes. Like, what happened? Like the middle? <laughs> Did he fall out? Did he not touch the ball? And he's not going to have really, if you're drafted 20s to 40s, you're not going to have the chance to to be the ball dominant guy to to get a lot of shots up. And I'll say there's a credit to him too that he's able to find these nooks to score where he wasn't always getting the ball and wasn't always getting scoring opportunities or chances. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a riser. Everyone's talking about him. And Sam talked about him really early. I hadn't even watched like Wake at, at that point during the year. And I almost wish now, knowing that where some of these guys netted out, I watched early in the year as opposed to now going back and doing it. Because I, it's that's also a great thing about the draft, that you go go for Alonis Williams, stay for Jake LaRavia, right? So it's like you, you go for somebody else, you find another guy, and that happens sometimes when you watch the other team. Like I, did, I didn't know that guy was going to pop up out of nowhere either. Matt, thank you so much for your time. This was an absolute blast. Um, is there anything we missed with the three main guys we talked about earlier? Anyone else in the draft? I mean, I'm, I'm sure we did, but <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think overall, no. And and the draft is is so awesome, and we can talk about it for hours, and we could all be wrong. Like, Blake Wesley might be the, the best of the crop, or these guys might not pan out, and, and Johnny Davis, the jumper, might not get there. But I, I'm still willing to, like, put my name and, and gamble on those sort of guys that have been productive in, in sort of like the Malachi and, and, and Jaden and Johnny thing over – just the unproven of is, is AJ Griffin going to be able to do enough or 
is Benedict Matherin going to be able to create more off the dribble out of out of pick and roll stuff? So I'm glad we talked Big Ten guards. It was a, an awesome year. It felt like every day was a game I circled on the calendar, like got to watch this one, got to watch this one. And then you look at the – it's like I'm watching four Big Ten games tonight <laughs> and then the same ones in three days. Uh, but but it was a, a great league battle all year long, and I was happy to come on and rap with you guys about it too. Well, we, we really appreciate your time. So please make sure to plug away. Tell the people where they can support you. Oh, support me. Uh, my Venmo is <laughs> at Matt. No, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Matt, at Matt underscore Penny. I am on the Game Theory Podcast with Sam Vecini on The Athletic once a week. You can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. And then Sam has started a YouTube channel for Game Theory. You search Game Theory with Sam Vecini. Subscribe there. That would be a big help. He records our pods similar to this and then streams them live and they live there afterwards and we cut up more clips we'll do a lot more prospect stuff coming up here in the coming weeks too so tune in there perfect rucker plug away um i'm at no ceilings nba.com and i'm at tyler underscore rucker on twitter and matt thank you so much for coming on like like he said everyone if you're not listening to game theory it's great they do an outstanding job so make sure you check that out but thank you again yeah man appreciate it thanks for having me Listeners, please make sure to go support the Game Theory Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube as well. Once again, I am Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. You can find all of our written work at noceilingsnba.com. It's completely free. So while you're there, just hit that subscribe button. It gets delivered directly to your inbox. No excuse not to. You can follow us on Twitter at noceilingsnba and on YouTube at noceilingstv. While you're there, just hit that subscribe button as well. Also completely free. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe. Subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.